My name is Gurinder Singh. Um, welcome to episode five now. Um, this episode, we are joined by two amazing guests who have been doing incredible work for the community in terms of creating a platform where you can um, reach out for help if you have in any way to deal with alcoholism in your family or just in your, in your group. Um, I'll let them explain a little bit more about what OS is. Again, you guys can introduce yourselves. We have uh, Tarwinder and Manvinder. Um, if Tarwinder, if you want to start first. My name is Tarwinder Kitkar, and I am one of the facilitators for uh, for us, and 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 doing my MSW as CSC Stanislaus. And I'll move to uh, I'll pass it on to Manvinder. Awesome. Thank you, Tundarjeet. Thank you, Gurinder, for inviting us on the podcast. Um, my name is Mandinder Gaur. I am also a Master of Social Work student. I'm actually situated in Toronto, so it's like right after lunch for me. Um, yeah, I'm one of the facilitators for us. I don't know if I said that already or if I'm repeating myself, but yeah, I'm really excited and looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. Um, so just to start off with, how did you guys, I know you guys just went a little bit into your guys' studies and what you guys are studying, but could you guys like and, and like talk about like how you guys got involved with us and how you guys got involved with Jakarta and how this how this platform came to be and how you guys, how long it's been, the process it a little bit took to get to where it is right now? Sure, Dwinderjeet, if you want to kick it off. Oh, so I applied for um, the job back in August or September, I believe. And then, yeah, I did my interview with Just Breathe um, in November. Um, and then I uh, came on the team in January. So we have been working for the past three months. Sorry about the voice. This is how I usually sound, but then I apologize. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we have been doing intakes with our participants for the past two months, I want to say. Uh, I am really grateful that Jakara Moment actually started this um, as a support group for our community members. Um, because I feel like, uh, oh, I have background in sociology. I did my undergraduate in sociology. And uh, I took alcoholism as an elective class just because I wanted to get an insight into what this is just because I also wanted to help my loved ones. And through that class, I attended a meeting for my research paper and back in 2018. And uh, after I came out of that meeting, I wished and hoped that we had something similar in our community, but then I do know that language barriers sometimes um, could be an issue. So yeah, so that's how uh, it all started for me. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, my background is in biology and in religious studies, which is like, yeah, two fun things um, that are connected and disparate. But um, I just finished my Master of Arts actually last year as well. And I studied the intersections of alcohol and sake. So I was really thinking about religion and culture um, and gender and intergenerational trauma and how that all kind of comes together and manifests as a problem with alcohol. Um, and then I wanted to do less theoretical work and more on the ground work. So that's when I switched into social work. And then this program kind of appeared and like put all of my passions that I already had into practice. 
Um, and actually in Canada, I work with um, a group called ASRA and we have a website, asranow.ca, that provides information in English and Punjabi about problems with alcohol. So what is addiction? What is withdrawal? What is harm reduction? So I was kind of already doing that work. We were already doing community conversations every month. Um, and I know the folks at Jagada because I, I went to Scholars like two years ago. Um, so I was familiar with their work um, and I was yeah really just hoping to share all of the research and learning that I had done um, and try to create a space that was welcoming um, to Punjabi communities. So that, yeah, that's kind of where I was coming at it with. And now maybe I can talk a little bit about us um, and what it looks like and our goals. Um, and we just had our first session on Tuesday. So maybe at the end they could talk about that. But with us, it's a 10 week program. It's a support group, both for people who themselves have a problem or are having a challenging relationship with alcohol and for those impacted. Um, we also do have some folks that are in recovery. So that means they have stopped drinking alcohol and they're just, they're working on that relationship and trying to stay sober because that's what they've chosen as their like method of healing. Um, so yeah, we have a diverse group. And I think from our first session, we kind of learned that it might be helpful to split these groups up and then bring them back together as well so that they can learn from each other, but they can also have space for themselves um, where they can talk about their, their own experiences um, as people who have problems with alcohol and as people who have members in their family who might have a challenge with alcohol. So that's, yeah, that's where we're at with the sessions. Like I said, yeah, it's a 10 week long program. We would also invite people to join in on our second week, um, if they, even if they didn't get a chance to join in the first week, because it was more of a getting to know you session. Um, but yeah, Tuesday, 6 p.m. PST for 10 weeks. And we have various goals. And those goals are all uh, inspired by the intakes that we've done with the participants. So whatever they listed as their goals kind of became our goals. And some of them we could kind of foresee because Glenderjees and I both have um, not only a social work background, but also a background in uh, engaging with this problem in our own personal lives. So there were some things that we could assume, but like just as two Punjabi girls who like have experienced it, we were like, that's not the entire experience. So we really wanted, yeah, input from everyone else as well. Uh, and I just wanted to mention that your privacy and confidentiality is most important to us. So whatever is said in that room, it doesn't get out. So if you feel you will be more comfortable just putting your nickname in the Zoom, then that's fine. If you feel like you do not want to have your cameras on during the first two sessions, that's totally fine as well. So let's keep that in mind. And also people who live in Stanislaus County, please, um, if you feel comfortable enough to uh, just put uh, register uh, on the Jakara website, jakara.org slash us. And you can find more information about us uh, on their website too. Thank you so much, Amin. That's that's so wonderful that you guys have been able to create such an amazing platform because I like Manwinder said, like sometimes like just having that support group can mean everything. And so I feel like that's very good in, in terms of our community because that's something that's overlooked. It's like having like similarities with other people like we don't we don't try to like try to build each other up like we just try to take it be like oh they're going through the same thing but like we have to go through our own thing but it's like you can lie on like rely on each other and gain information from other people's stories and I feel like that's usually one of the biggest things 
you can take away is like, how did they get past it? How did they come to be in the same position as me? And like, how did they get through it? Or how are they getting through it? And you can learn from each other. And I think that's really great that this program is allowing that to happen in our community. Because like I said, like in other communities, this is already kind of a thing. Like, I mean, majority of like people know that you can have support groups, there's support groups out there for you. But like for our community specifically, there isn't because of the language barrier, because some people are just like, oh, I'm in English and you want the so they, they, that's very intimidating. They're going to be like, if I go to a support group and they all speak English and I can't even convey what I'm going through, it's going to be like worthless for them. So thank you so much for all the work you guys have been doing. And again, uh, Wade, I think you already said the, the uh, website, but I also will mention the website on the description and also we'll post about it too as well. So thank you so much for doing the amazing work you guys have been doing. Um, to talk more about like our Punjabi Sikh community and alcoholism and how here it's, it's, it's a little bit amplified here in the States from what I've seen growing up is, is alcoholism and the youth. Like I know growing up family and even friends, like I've seen like underage drinking and it's like very bad underage drinking. And it's like, how like if you have anything like have you come across this like and you're personally you guys are saying that you guys have some um background with alcoholism in your guys own personal lives um have you guys have came across this yourselves and like why do you think it's getting worse than it's getting better in today's world because all i see nowadays like if i open up my instagram or i open up my snapchat all i see is people posting about like bottles and stuff like that or drinking and it's like it's a little bit it's getting a little bit out of hand I don't know if you guys have also seen this and if you guys want a little bit of about like what you guys have seen and what you guys have gone through personally if anybody you guys have known has gone through this yeah I think it's I, for me it seems like it's less that people are drinking alcohol it's the ways in which they're drinking it right um like I'm 26, I'm still in university. I like went through the whole university spiel. Um, I definitely grew, grew up like around a binge drinking environment where like we all started drinking in high school. And then obviously once we became of legal age, it was exacerbated because like now I can just go to like the liquor store and get my own alcohol. Um, I can like withdraw cash and then like my dad won't even see it on my debit card. So it wasn't like hard for me to have access to alcohol. So I think that's a really important piece. So even if, for example, we want to say like people shouldn't drink alcohol, the thing is they're going to do it anyways. So it's like, we might as well like provide education and space for how to have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Cause I think growing up, um, I saw the ways in which alcohol consumption occurred. It's like, you go to the hall party, everyone is drunk. Um, you go to your university party, everyone is drunk, you go to like a, a dinner, someone is getting drunk. It was, it's just, it's binge drinking and it's not counting your drinks. It's not like eating something in between. It's not um, like having a glass of water. It's like drinking to get drunk. And that was super normal. No one really questioned it. So I'm thinking about like healthy drinking practices and like what it would look like if like uncles did not free pour if they're like pouring a like if they're measuring their shots if they're like oh that's too much that's too many I have to stop um and maybe I'm getting off the point of your question but it's like how can we 
model, how can we show younger people what a healthy relationship with alcohol is, like what it looks like. And like, you know, sometimes like at, at the end of a wedding, sometimes there's an uncle who has to like, and I say uncle, because it's usually an uncle, um, but there's an uncle that has to be like walked to the car or like a kid sometimes who has to be walked to the car. Cause like either they got a bunch of drinks at the bar or they're like, their uncle fed them a bunch of drinks. So someone like has to be walked to the car, but it's like, haha, he got so drunk. He has to be walked to the car. It's never like, oh no, like maybe he's having some challenging moments in his life. And maybe that's why he's consuming alcohol. It's maybe like moving away from the, that's really funny to actually thinking about the reality of someone's situation. And I'm not saying that every time someone gets blackout drunk or like has to be walked to the car, it's because they're like, there's some inner struggle there. And because sometimes you do accidentally drink too much and that's, and that's, you know, something you can think about in the morning and how to prevent that and maybe why you did drink too much and like reflecting on that. Um, and like, you know, maybe you did, there is like something going on there and there could be nothing, but, and I don't know, oftentimes it's left off. It's not really engaged with, it's just like, oh, he got too drunk. And obviously that person is embarrassed and doesn't want to talk about it in the morning. Um, yeah, and then that gets passed on. So then we, as that like next generation, see that type of drinking. We're like, okay, that's how you drink alcohol. If something hard, if something in my life is going wrong, I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to drink to like suppress that. Or if I like have some social anxiety, if I'm like a quieter person, a good way for me to be like more of an open person is to like have a couple drinks um, so I can be more sociable. And like, you know, people really do like the drunkest person. Like that person's funny. And that's ultimately like what happens. It's like, okay, like that uncle is the most lit. Like, I think that's funny. He's a fun uncle. He knows how to party. And it's never like, oh, like maybe this, maybe this individual is like going through something. Maybe like this type of drinking actually isn't healthy. Like not remembering your night actually isn't that great. Um, and yeah, just, it's like the reflecting piece and thinking about it a little more as opposed to like brushing off, I think, uh, yeah. I don't know if Dwinder just wants to add anything. No, you explained it really well. Um, just to sum up uh, Manwinder's point, I feel like the, the problem of, of alcoholism exists in our society is because we were never introduced to healthy ways to cope with our emotions. Uh, growing up, I have seen my dad um, dealing with his stress in his work-life environment uh, with just alcohol. Late at night, uh, he thought, oh, instead of talking about it or like opening up about his feelings, it's it's easier to get drunk and to sleep it off. So my relationship with alcohol is non-existence. Um, I had mentioned this in the first um, session too that we had on Tuesday that I'm really scared to drink. I feel like if I start to drink, I am just gonna become like my loved one. And I don't want that. So see, this is, I need to highlight this because this is not a healthy habit or healthy way to drink because I have a negative perspective on it now at the moment because I feel like if I if I just start once I'm never gonna stop so that's the part that I need to do on my end I need to learn that it's okay if yeah did I answer your question no Sorry. it's it's fine um, again you can talk it's it's 
talking about whatever you want to talk about and i appreciate you guys talking and opening up as much as you guys are going to going to and um i know this is a very touchy subject for a lot of people like me included because i've seen alcoholism not just in my friend group but also in my family so it's like this is a very like very close to my heart situation and like topic so it's like if you don't want to share anything that's fine you don't have to but um moving a little bit on it's like going to your mother you made a lot of great points about like i feel like it's not about like people just wanting some people are those type of people that just want to get blackout drunk right there is those type of groups right but there's also those type of people that when they're in that peer pressure or they're in that friend group and it's there's just like bottle after bottle it's not even like they're not even trying to like they're not even trying to stop themselves it's just trying to keep up with others right and it's like it's almost like a fun game that they're playing especially that, like i've seen this at multiple parties right i've seen multiple parties ruined because of people that are gone too drunk right and it's like this it's this sign of being cool in these friend groups when you do drink a lot when you're getting drunk but like at the end of the day like that like you said like there's that one uncle that people think is cool because they're drunk and he's having the time of his life but like other people might not think that like you might think that because you can picture yourself as that but like sometimes other people are just like what is this person doing like why is he doing why is he doing all this and I, I just want to ask you like this it's like how did we get to the point where we got to the point where getting blackout drunk getting competing with your friends to get drunk like became this cool thing in friend groups like I feel like there had to be like it, there's multiple factors I feel like but it's just like I want to like you were already talking about a couple of them so if you just want to elaborate a little bit more about like how how did we get to this point where like youth especially youth kids like think like oh getting drunk with your friends or competing to get drunk is cool nowadays so if you want to a little bit elaborate on that point yeah sure I'm not I'm not sure of like the history like that would be super interesting to think about when that turning point happened um and yeah, I guess in my work, I do like a colonial unpacking of alcohol and how, um, you know, the British brought beer to India. So like the IPA, that's an Indian pale ale, and that has complete colonial ties. Um, so yeah, even thinking about um, what alcohol consumption looked like pre the British coming to India and then post and what they left behind. Um, yeah, so that would be interesting as well. But like thinking about, you know, the contemporary right now, I think something that came to mind while you were speaking, and I don't think this touches upon your question directly, but it's like that person goes home, like that uncle stumbling to the car, he goes home. And when he goes home, his wife and kids, they're exhausted. They don't think that's funny. It's difficult to like have that person in your car to like know the kind of harm that they do to someone like that person at the party who like killed it at beer pong and is like blacking out is like doing I don't know flips from wherever like they also go home and then they I think the home is really like where all of that gets reflected back at you because now you're by yourself most likely like you're in your bed you're alone you wake up I think some people call it anxiety when you wake up and you don't know what you did the night before so you're like quite anxious so like that person wakes up and has to confront all of these issues um, or, you know, maybe suppresses them. But I think like the point you made around like getting super drunk as being super cool, 
is a good point. Um, I think like just reflecting on my own experiences, I don't know if it was always like, I, I don't want to like hypothesize about other people's drinking experiences. I think there are people who have healthy relationships with alcohol, people who can gauge how drunk they are and say, no, I don't want any more. Like I want to remember tonight. Um, and I think the, what happens is when there's a friend group, I guess, where everyone is in like the state of mind that like, we're all here to get drunk. And I'm going to be honest, if you're coming together and the point of you coming together is to get drunk, you're likely suppressing something. And I'm saying that from experience. Like I used to drink like probably like I was a binge drinker in like university and now I drink like definitely more casually. Um, So that relationship has changed and it's definitely because I interrogated it and I thought about it and I went to therapy. I'm pretty bad at like dealing with my emotions. Oftentimes I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm feeling because I was never like, that was just never something that was introduced to me. So I think if the point, like, and I know this is like veering way off of your question, but like, if the point of you doing something is to like, forget about your life, like that's pretty, that's pretty scary. Um, And it's not an easy thing to confront. Like, it's not easy to be like, okay, like it's that noticing, like I, I want to get drunk. So really catching that thought, like, okay, I'm, I'm having this urge to get drunk. And then like the hard part is being like, why? Because sometimes it's like even so hard for you to know why it's like emotionally taxing and like difficult for you to even think about why you might want to get drunk because it could be like a really deep trauma or really like, you know, deep social anxiety, like a deep need to be liked. Like for me, it was definitely like a big insecurity. I like was like, when I'm drunk, I'm like really cool. Everyone really likes me and I don't think people will like me if I'm not drunk. So it was like, if I don't drink, then I don't think people like me. And that's not like an easy thing for you to confront. Um, And then stopping drinking is way hard because then you're like, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. And like, everyone is like, oh, Midwinter, you like have to drink because that's also like the nature of high school parties or like university parties. It's like, if you're not drinking, you're you're like the DD, you're the driver. Like, which one are you? You're not driving and you're not drinking. Like, why are you here? Um, so it's like all these really difficult things to do. And then I think about our parents who have been like suppressing their feelings for like 40 plus years. So they've been suppressing them. They have no labels for these emotions. Like I think a couple of days ago, I was like, dad, are you okay? Like, are you feeling okay? He was like, yeah, I'm fine. Business is going well. Like house is nice. Kids are in school. It's great. And I was like, no, no. Like, how are you feeling though? So it's like, if you don't have this language, to express how you're feeling and like that you might even be suppressing all of these feelings then it's just that like those connections are never going to be made um yeah and then you know everyone in university just been drinking not really thinking about it and like university's hard like you're sometimes the first time you're away from home you're like living with people you don't know maybe your dorm's like smelly maybe you're like you know, failing all your classes because you wanted to be a doctor, but you're not very good at it. Um, so self, a self call out. But like, it's all of these things that like, it's this transition period. And if you're not good with transitions, then like, you're going to gravitate towards alcohol and all your friends, they don't want to confront their feelings. So it's not just like you not drinking also like calls out other people. 
it's like oh I'm not drinking because like I want to be healthier and they're like well you not drinking is also like than me being like, it's the way I'm drinking unhealthy. So they don't even want to confront that. So it's like, you yeah, know, all of these, all of these people with all of these thoughts and feelings that they bring um, and kind of just um, mapping it out onto other people. I don't know, you're, I feel like you're younger. Maybe you have some thoughts on university parties. I wonder if you want to add anything before. I wanted to stress that um, I know some individuals in my life who seek validation and who go into uh, drinking alcohol just because they want to fit in. They, they seek that validation. And I know it could be toxic, but then they don't realize it at the moment. So they go through a big phase of getting drunk and binge drinking and then coming back to it. Oh, I did it for others. I wasn't doing it for myself at the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like a shifting away of blame. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not me. Like you're making me drink. And like, you know, I think there was like that narrative when I was in high school, like that peer pressure and everyone would be like, oh, this person is drinking because of peer pressure. And you're like, okay, fine. Maybe. But actually like I talked to like 20 people for my thesis and like, maybe there was a little bit of peer pressure, but that's never really like the driving force. I think it was like a popular narrative growing up that it was like all peer pressure. It's like, here, like smoke this cigarette or like drink this drink or like, I don't know, all those weird like scare tactics that they use in high school. Um, it's like, someone's gonna pressure you. It's gonna be a bad kid, um, but it's rarely like that. Like usually someone's just like, do you want a beer? And you're like, no, I'm good. And they're like, you know, maybe be like, come on. Um, and then it's really up to you, I guess and how you engage with that beverage, right? Like, do you have this deep need to fit in? Uh, is that why you've like now gotten blackout drunk or can you really gauge for yourself? Like how much is enough to drink? Where do you wanna be? When do you say no? How do you like, I don't know, leave a situation if someone is like pressuring you to get blackout? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point because again, like the, going back to it, like, yeah, people do want to like fit in like the, when they're said like there is that sense of I want to fit in to be cool right because you always want to be like fitting in with the people that you're around right you're not you don't want to be the odd one out and some people for that it's very it's like that's very scary for them especially if you are going through some stuff you just want to have a sense of belonging in that moment right mm -hmm. and like for me like I can talk a little bit about my like a little bit of my personal but it's like a couple years ago like my cousins had come came from like Canada and they had already been drinking because like Mavinder you can a little bit talk about this a little bit more than me because like in Canada the the intensifying of drinking and getting together and all it's a little bit higher than what it is here in states of I what I've seen and it's like like they would every single night they would that they were here they would get drunk like it would be like like a 24-hour clock like they would get drunk go to sleep and then they will just wake up and they're just going again and I'm um, just like I was shocked but like there is that peer pressure they kept and I was 16 at the time right and they mm -hmm. kept telling me oh just la la like just drink just drink just drink just one time one time one time and it's like I just like kept saying no because I was like I just don't want to like I just like inside like in my personal feelings like I've seen what alcohol does to numerous people and I'm just further away from it it's better for me like I just don't want to touch it at all and I feel like like that a lot of people can fall into that trap of like trying to fit in because like 16 is very young 
right? Mm-hmm. And like 16 years old, if I'm like the little cousin and they're all older than me, like the way you fit in with the older people is that you start drinking, right? And I feel like that's a trap. Like that's, that's one of the things that people get into, especially in Canada. It's like they, because like they all had younger siblings and they all were all drinking, but they were a little bit still older than me, but they all still had younger siblings. And it's like the reason why they were all drinking was because they want to be cool with their brother. They want to be, they want to be cool with their cousins and everything like that. And I just feel like it's not just always about just feeling cool. It's just, they want to be recognized by their, because like, sometimes like, like, I think when you guys had brought up, like, if you don't drink, then they're going to be like, oh, you're not the same person or boo. Like, it's like those types of things, like are big factors for some people that do start drinking in these circles. Melinda, I know you, you've unmuted your mic. So if you want to add something, because I, like I said, I only know the personal experience of my cousins coming from Canada and like the what stuff I've seen, but like you, I think if you, you, I mean, you said you're from Canada. So if you want to elaborate on that, you can. Yeah, no worries. I just kept it unmuted because, you know, I'll just hop in whenever, um, make it a conversation. Yeah, I think like something, I guess, yeah, I just stress the education piece so much because what if like in that moment when your cousins were like, oh, like drink, 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 and you said no, even if just one of them was like, hey, it's fine if he doesn't want to drink. It's not a big deal. It's not like he, like his drinking is, like his belonging is not contingent on him drinking. Like you don't have to drink to belong. It's fine. Like it's very normalized in my like cousin circle, but that's only because like it's all I talk about. So like it just, it cannot be. I know people are like, the Benjamin community doesn't talk about it. I was like, you should you should come to my cousin hangouts because it's all we talk about um like masculinity and my cousins now like now uh it's like been years and years of being like this is feminism this is masculinity um now they've like kind of come on board but it's yeah like just this like starting that conversation like having that conversation just one person being like like validating your choice not to drink like it's fine and like hey maybe we could all have one day where we don't drink like me and my cousins all went to Mexico together and like we stayed at a resort and I think maybe we like there was a couple of days where we like did like go out to drink but it wasn't always like okay and my brother doesn't drink my sister doesn't really so it's like we have people in our family that don't drink and they're not pressured to and I think it's really important to interrogate why we are pressuring people into drinking like why do I feel that like why am I only comfortable when everyone is drunk and I, yeah I'm not I'm saying we myself but like you know, thinking about anyone who does like have that need to pressure other people into being drunk. It's like, because I think some people are uncomfortable with sobriety, which is, you know, something people need to interrogate. Like, why do you need everyone to be drunk? Why can't it just be you? Because yeah, I, I would venture to guess like, you know, some, I mean, they might get too drunk and then they might say or do something not so great. And then, you know, they'll be the only one that doesn't remember it, but everyone else remembers. So I think it's really like asking for permission to do stupid stuff. Um, they need everyone to be drunk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that makes. I mean, a little bit like it makes perfect sense because, like, again, your family is like you can say that like, your friend group is your friend group and all they're they're all very close. But like once you're with like your family cousin, it's like a little bit more step up. Like especially for me, it's a little bit more step up because I'm like I'm related to these people. And it's like, I don't want to leave like a bad impression on them. It's like, because I, again, you as the younger, because I'm like the youngest of like the whole generation almost. So it's like, I, it was almost like sensing of that validation, but like, I was like, I don't really need that validation, 
some from people that are just forcing me to drink. Like that's that's what they want me to do to get my validation. I'm like, that's not what I want. That's what I don't need, and I don't want that. So I was just like, it's it was a little bit more of a self-reflecting for me. And it's just like you have to take that time and just say no because like as much as you're gonna like they're just gonna keep pressuring you. Like if one day I said no and it's like the next day it was just again, like I said, it was a 24 hour clock. Like the next day would ask me again. And I was like, no. And it's just like they would keep at it's just like it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's like, I think there's a lot of factors why that keeps happening. Like Mender, you said like some people just can't stand, like can't deal with somebody being sober that's around them. Like, cause I was constantly around my cousins and always, we were always together. So like maybe like sometimes some people just can't deal with somebody being sober out of the group. Like they just have to have everybody drunk to have a sense of like belonging to the whole group. So it's just like, I feel like there's a lot of things that goes into it. And I like, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit because I, I've seen it growing up a lot and it was because I've been through it it's like uncles and older generations set the like set the example for this type of behavior like I don't like anytime like older people get together it's or men get together it's specifically it's around a bottle like it's not around just trying to wanted to sit together and talk it's usually there is a bottle and the, like there's, that's the only reason, like sometimes that's the only reason why they get together. And I, I feel like that's, that's a little bit implementing into the next generation. And that's like a little scary part for me like, because growing up, I was like 10, 12. And then the like, uncle would like be offering me a beer. And I'm like, bro, I'm like 10, 12 years old. Like, what are you doing? Like, I was just like, what is like, and it's just like this, this mindset of like, just, oh, it's okay if a young kid can start, can drink. Like, it's, I'm like, it's not okay. Like, especially, it's like, I feel like there is no like age limit for in our, in our community. And that's like, that's what slowly, slowly, like, that's a snowball effect. And that's why we get to the point where we see alcoholism in very young kids. Like, people that are under 21 especially here in the United States because that's the legal age legally like there is a, already a sense of like people getting drunk night in night out before they're even 21 and that's because they've started so young and I just like you guys can talk a little bit more about like your guys experience but like me growing up I, like that like, I could see that and I was like this is the example and now looking back I can be like this is how we've gotten to where we are a little bit like this is a factor in it because Again, we want to implement what we see, especially from a young, especially in the Punjabi Sikh like, culture, because like anything we do, like if we diverge from it, then we are talking about like, oh, why are you not doing this? Why are you doing this? It's like, we're almost questioned for diverging. So like trying to stay on your own path, but also not trying to diverge completely away from like what the older generation is like, that's a balance that a lot of people can't like struggle with. And I know like, I know a lot of personal people that have struggled with that. So. I just wanted to talk a little bit more like how do you guys think about like how I know like alcoholism like we've talked about and you guys have talked about is it's not present just in the youth but it's present all across all age groups especially in the Punjabi community and I just want to ask you guys about like how much do you guys think that how much our parents have done or how much our the older generation has has to play a part in this if don't there if you want to start on this question first um, so just like you said, um, I've also seen, um, when I was little, I used to see all my tayas, chachas, mama getting together, but in an isolated room, in a separate second living room, uh, just getting drunk and talking about politics and just like shitting on everyone sometimes. Um, 
that that was their thing. Um, so I totally agree that their perception on alcohol or their whatever they had, uh, the relationship that they shared with alcohol has influenced the next generation. So the reason that I don't drink is because I, I, I get those negative experiences and that just reminds me, even the smell sometimes reminds me of those moments that I don't want to remember anymore. Um, I was gonna say something, but Manwinder, uh, I'll come back to it. I forgot. Um, okay. No problem, yeah. no worries. Um, I was just gonna say, it's also important to note that in this, I don't think anyone is good or bad. I think everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has their own challenges. And it's like, it's about overcoming those challenges together. And it's really about like meeting people where they're at. I don't think um, uncles are always, yeah. I think their actions sometimes are quite questionable, um, but it's really like meeting them where they're at and like moving with them. Um, understanding that that they don't exist outside of history and politics and time like they're all impacted by all of these by all of these processes and um to understand yeah to understand them in like not in good and bad ways as just like but more as just like being like they're they're doing these things because of all of this like you know huge traumas or issues or problems and challenges that they have um and yeah I think it can it can just be hard I don't um I don't want to yeah label anyone as good or bad as like not drinking is good and like drinking is bad I think it's yeah honestly just being nice to everyone just like being nice to each other respecting everyone's boundaries yeah I, I feel like I'm just going towards like why can't we all just be nice to each other kind of dialogue but that, that's actually as easy as it is. Like just trying not to be judgmental, trying not to be rude towards someone's, um, someone's actions and understanding that they're like all complex people. Like, yeah, that drinking does happen often in that little like secluded second living room, but they don't, like those uncles don't just exist in that living room. That's kind of where their actions, that's kind of like where the, where the play is happening, like where the stage is, this is where we're seeing them act as uncles but like you know I think yeah they carry all of these stories all of these challenges all of these strengths too like a lot of you know our dads I'm sure have great strengths and like great things that they're great at and then there's also things that they're not so great at um and that's for the reasons why they haven't been able to engage or challenge those are for I'm sure like a variety of reasons and I know we like to talk about like oh like language accessibility but it's like I don't know colonialism like 250 years or 350 years of colonialism of like being told you're backwards and then that getting passed on to your great-grandparents and then your nannies and nanas and daddies and dadas like going through partition and like losing being like completely displaced from that home and then never like having the luxury to engage with your emotions about what happened about like truly the terrible things you saw because you don't have time or space to do that because now the new place you're in is also being like there's also havoc there like you're in Punjab and it's like the green revolution 1984 and like political turmoil and you're still like you're still a commonwealth country so you're still like being exposed to all of this narrative that you are backwards and you internalize it and like 
you're you just don't have time to think about your emotions like I'm just it's yeah obviously it would be it's like a luxury to think about your emotions I think so coming to our spaces and like giving like having conversations like this and being like let's talk about our emotions it's like you know I think our parents were quite focused and our grandparents they're all focused on survival and now that they've come here like my parents you know they have a little more spare time my dad will spend all of his summers gardening like making our backyard like super green so he has a little more space now a little more time he's like a little more comfortable because his kids are all in university um so you know maybe now he has a little bit of time to think about his his emotions and maybe even then like he's been suppressing them for 40 years so I don't know let the guy suppress them and like maybe help him think about healthier ways that he could cope with that like you know do some extra gardening count your shots take a day off of drinking. So I think like for me, harm reduction is like the best way I can approach that issue as opposed to being like, okay, like remember all of the traumas you've been suppressing for 50 years? Like let's confront them. Especially if they're not ready or they don't want to. It's, yeah, I think it's, yeah. Meeting the person where they're at, where they're ready to go, what they wanna talk about, what they wanna do, and then moving with them and then trying our best to set like positive role models for others around us and for future generations. So in there yourself, yeah, throw it back to you. Hope you remembered. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, sometimes no can be an unacceptable answer. So having conversations about why you choose not to drink or why you choose to drink with your friends. I am glad I hang out with people who understand my boundaries. They don't push me. They don't tell me, oh, just have one drink. Oh, just start. You'll just taste it or just try it once. Um, and also, I am glad that I don't push them to, uh, oh, this remind, this oh, the smell of alcohol reminds me of the traumas. But they respect that. So I am glad that just having these conversations, like Manwinder said, is really important. That sets um, a base for you to, to talk about your feelings and the reasons why you drink or why you don't drink. And also looking at alcohol and drinking or just seeing that one person can choose to drink and to have fun or to just enjoy it and and respecting that decision is also important yeah um again i by what i said was not i anything we i've said or we've said is not to label anybody as good or as bad it's just um the next point i want to get into a little bit was like safe drinking or like drinking that like you can I'm not saying you don't like you can't drink like that's not just because I don't drink doesn't mean I'm telling other people I'm not an advocate for like no alcohol like no alcohol at all it's just like there's a certain extent to where it gets out of control and that's the point where a lot of people are not okay with alcohol and it's not just just people looking out but it's like also the person inside like after like you guys have brought up this point like after they do have got drunk the next day or like that even that night they're like, why? Like, why did I do this? Because like in the moment, you're just getting drunk. And that's the only thing you want in the moment. But like after you've gotten away from that moment, the, the thoughts of like, okay, why did I do what I did? Or like the next day when you don't remember anything, you're like, what did I do? And you're like a little bit anxious and like, why did I do what I did? And now I can't remember anything, right? And it's like those types of things are like, that's the uncontrollable part. And it's just like, there is a safe drinking method. I mean, you said like, counting your shots or drinking water in between or just limiting how much you drink in a certain amount of time like you don't have to drink a whole 12 pack in one night to like be get the satisfaction of drinking like just limit if you can limit yourself 
or find those limits for yourself, you'll, you'll get the, you'll get the satisfaction of whatever you want from drinking, but also you won't get to the point where you're, you don't remember what happened the day before. And I feel like safe drinking is, is, is a very like important thing in this whole topic. And the, one of the other things I want to talk about is like, I know in our community, it's almost very looked down upon when, when women drink. I mean, when you can a little bit talk about this and how you've overcome this, but like, if somebody, if somebody's over the age of 21 or over the legal limit is in that country and it's like, they want to choose, like, it's their choice. It's just like, they have to regulate it. And it's just like, I feel like that sometimes some other people go back to the traditional ways of like controlling everything anybody can do. And that's like, again, you can talk about this because I feel like you've kind of gone through this a little bit. So if you want to talk about like how you've gone to the process where you've, I don't even know if you have, but like, just being able to drink and not being able to like just being bombarded with like questions or interrogations and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely don't drink in front of my parents they definitely know I drink um and I usually don't like try like I don't I live on my own so I don't try to I try not to like keep alcohol at my house because I like don't like to drink by myself it's more of like a social activity for me um and like kind of drawing a parallel to coffee like I really like coffee and at one point I was drinking too much coffee uh and like I would get headaches and I would need to like feed that headache with coffee so I was like okay I need to like cut back because like my body is becoming dependent on coffee so it's really like that kind of noticing like are you noticing that you need to drink like a lot uh are you noticing that you're like you're getting like physiological signs, like biological signs that like you need to keep drinking. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, yeah, it's the noticing. Uh, I don't drink at home. I don't keep alcohol at home. Um, yeah, it's just like, for me, it's like mindful alcohol consumption. People are going to drink no matter what you say. Sure, we all went to like some sort of gourmet camp or camp at the Gurdwara where they were like, Siki says, don't drink alcohol. So you shouldn't drink alcohol. If you drink alcohol, you're bad sick. You went home and you told your dad, dad, you're bad sick. You don't drink alcohol. And he's like, no, no, you're wrong. Like he didn't care. Like it just didn't work. So like if like if our experiences, like that just doesn't work. Us being like, dad, you're bad sick. He's like, cool. Don't like, no, I'm not. I'm going to continue going to Gurdwara. Like it's just, it's just so unproductive, like you were saying, Grinderpal, like, yeah, abstinence, no means no, just say no, like, all of those, like, scare tactics that people used, um, and I think they're really perpetuated through, like, Alcoholics Anonymous as well, where it's, like, abstinence is the only choice you have to, like, stop drinking alcohol, um, like, nothing good will happen to you in your life unless you stop drinking alcohol, it's, like, yeah, maybe that's true, but, like, that's, like that scare tactic isn't going to stop someone from drinking alcohol. There's like so much more stuff to unpack. Um, And I think, yeah, again, it's just modeling what healthy alcohol consumption looks like, like what limits you need to set for yourself. And for like, I think it would look so much more different if my dad like knew how to drink alcohol, if he just like counted his shots, if he had like, you know, one drink a night and he just like wanted to have it with his like food. It, it looks, it would just look different if he was like, oh, I don't know, like today I'll like choose some drink free days. Like if I'm, if I see, if I catch myself, like, you know, maybe having, a, it's like kind of a pattern maybe that you notice in yourself where it's like, oh, I've had a stressful day. 
I'm going to drink some alcohol, then I'll be like not stressed. So it's like you're stressed. That's like the emotion you're feeling to cope with that. You drink and then you're not stressed. So like, how can that middle thing that like coping mechanism be changed? And it's not easy, but it's like, okay, you're stressed. Maybe you like order a pizza and eat a pizza and then you're not stressed or like, I don't know, order some McDonald's. My McDonald's is like five minutes away and it's actually really helpful. Um, But it's, yeah, I think it's that noticing it's um, modeling what healthy drinking looks like um, because uh, yeah, harm reduction is essentially what you want to do because we also like, I think in Punjabi communities, Punjabi Sikh communities, problems with like liver, like liver problems are exacerbated. Like anyone I talk to in British Columbia who like works in medicine, they're like, yeah, I see much more like liver cirrhosis in Punjabi communities. And they always catch it kind of when it's too late because it's already in that stage where it's irreversible because you're coming to the doctor when it's already like too big of a problem as opposed to other people who might see a physician earlier on about their problem. Like, like, oh, I think I'm like, you know, having a problem with alcohol, but maybe in not knowing what a problem with alcohol looks like, people in our communities won't go to the doctor or they like, they're ashamed to do it, which is fine. Or like, they're scared to do it. I know we had an example, we came across an example of some individuals who didn't want to go to the physician because they were scared of having their licenses taken away. And if like, driving a taxi like my dad's a taxi driver so if like driving a taxi or driving a truck is your livelihood why would you go somewhere where that livelihood is going to be taken away from you so it's also about like structures it's also about like yeah creating systems that like don't punish you for asking for help I know I went to like way off your question but yeah for me it was like just it was noticing and then modeling that um and then taking and then yeah um taking action where I, I saw that negative behavior and challenging it. And then also being like, it's okay if it's, I'm not like perfectly, I'm not like a perfect drinker. If like, you know, one day maybe I accidentally do have too many drinks. It's like, oh, you know, reflecting, like did something bad happen that day? Is, is that actually a reaction? Is that a suppression? Or is it like, I accidentally just like, you know, wasn't paying attention. So next time I'm going to like count on my fingers and wait 40 minutes. Um, I know like when I was seeing my therapist, she was like, okay, try to like, she never, like abstinence was never her answer for me. So it was really nice. I was like, oh yeah, I think I might have a negative relationship. And she's like, try counting your drinks. What about, I think she's like four drinks, which is a lot. Um, but she was like four, but like pace it out, have water in between. Even if you want to like go out with your friends and like have a bunch of drinks. Cause like, honestly, that is what people do. Pace it out, drink water, eat bread, like stop drinking at a certain point, slip, sip slower. Like yeah, just being mindful, paying attention. Um, and then also meditation was great because meditation just helps you become a more mindful person and notice your thoughts. Now they're just like, you know, notice and throw away or like engage. But yeah, the one that you said, I don't know if you have anything to add. Oh, so some other tips for um, safe drinking, uh, buy a smaller size um, and mix it with water or soda of your preference and do not consume alcohol on empty stomach some uh grinder had already mentioned some of them so just little things yeah no um so i think that's kind of like almost everything i had for today if you guys if the winner if you have anything else to add before we start wrapping up here because i know you were a little bit you didn't talk as much a little bit but if you have anything you wanted to talk about or anything that we missed that you want to talk about 
this is usually how I function in discussion classes. Even during my master's, everyone is like, oh, you don't talk a lot. So I'm like, everyone has already said everything. I just want to thank you and acknowledge for giving us this platform. Um, I feel like these conversations need to happen openly and candidly. So hopefully people can talk about this in their family members and on our dinner table without any reservations. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mundra, if you have anything else, any last comments? <laughs> no, yeah, I feel like I rambled lots. <laughs> no, I don't even no. know if I answered a single question. No. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, getting the conversation started is great, but I think it's really about the action we take afterwards. So yeah, it's awesome that we're having conversations around alcohol, but like, what will we take away from this? How will we like continue having these conversations outside of these spaces um, and modeling healthy drinking behavior and all of that fun stuff? Yeah. Um. Again, conversations are usually the starting of something, so that's why this podcast was created was to start conversation on numerous topics and to go one step further from that is for the people that listen or for me after we do talk about something to go one step further and actually do actions to change what's going on. So I just want to thank you both for joining again. Um. You guys both are amazing. You guys are doing amazing work work with us. And again, I'll I'll post it in the description. Um, again, for the podcast, this is now available on YouTube. So if we have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. It does help us grow and make us show that we have a good standing. And also, we just have launched um, with this episode concurrently. We have now launched all episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google. So if you want to watch or listen to the non uh, video version of these we are on all platforms it's just the jmc chronicles uh just as our youtube channel just as the name of the podcast so if you want to watch the non-video version it is now all on those platforms um but other than that um again please like follow those on all those platforms because it, again it helps us grow and please engage if you have anything you want to talk about um if you have if you uh, anything you heard today um, if this resonated with you in any way, please contact us. Um, I will relay those messages to Mavinder and Mavinder and at, the, at both you guys at us. So if you have anything, if you want to follow up or anything like that, please get in contact. We would love for you guys to get any help or get just be in a support group or just help with anything that we can. But without that, um, I'm, that's, that's pretty much it. Again, please follow. It helps us grow uh, tremendously. Um, and again, thank you for both of you guys for joining me today, um, taking time out of your guys' busy schedules to join. So, why do you got called Saha? Why do you keep fucking?